0: Twenty-eight, nineteen. when the scripture says, and think about this for a minute, the last words of Jesus, you know, if I had the last word with my wife, if I knew I was dying, I think I'd say, I love you, dear. Now, Jesus' last words weren't that. He didn't say, I'm the great shepherd. Those are very important words. But his last words are right here. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's it. Mark 16 says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Luke chapter 24, verse 47 says, Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his, Jesus' name, to all nations. And John chapter 20, verse 21, mirrors the little chorus that we just sang tonight. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. But even more imagery is found in Acts chapter 8. Maybe I'm going too fast for you. But Acts chapter 8 simply says... You will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. Now, it's very interesting that just before he commissions them to go into the world to be a witness, to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins, to go as the Father sent him, even so should we be going, just before that, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, they asked the Lord... This is what they said. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? I mean, he has resurrected from the dead. He has shown himself alive by many infallible proofs. He has shown himself and talked to his close disciples and up to 500 people at once. He has gone throughout all that region verifying his resurrection bringing those wayward disciples back under his fold and encouraging them. And that was so blessed to their hearts. And they're ready to have the kingdom established right here and right now. Lord, will you restore at this time, right now, the kingdom? And Jesus' answer? It is not for you to know. The times... Or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Now, many of you know I'm a visiting pastor here at this church. Much of my ministry involves that. And I go out and see people in hospitals and homes and hospices. Two times this week, members of our church, I am not critical... I'm just saying, two times members of this church right here at Westminster spoke to me and said, "Um, Pastor, do you think the coming of the Lord is close? (laughs) Maybe he'll come today. Well, he might, and maybe the coming is close, but they were doing the very same thing that the disciples were doing after the resurrection and before his ascension, Lord – Are you going to restore the kingdom now? I want to see your coming. Look what's happening in the Middle East. Look how bad the world is. Is it coming? Is the kingdom coming? Yes, it's coming, but it's not for you to know the time or season. No, Jesus said, here's what you're to do. You will be, two verses later, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. I know you've heard this. And I've heard this many times, but guess what? We need to keep on hearing it. We need to keep on witnessing. Yesterday, I was at the funeral, presiding over the funeral of a dear friend of our church, Lois McKinley, who went to be with the Lord at 95 last week. Jesus had a promise for her at the end of the Great Commission Lo, I am with you always. And wonderfully, Lois is not only with the Lord, but she is, uh, he's not only with her, but she's with the Lord. We have this great, wonderful proclamation to share. The very front jacket of our worship guide, our bulletin, the third point down, speaks about what our job is. It's proclaiming. It's proclaiming the gospel. And yet it's so easy for us to get caught up. There's actually a Christian radio station that expects the Lord's coming May 21st this year. That's true, right nearby. (laughs) I don't know how even a Christian radio station could come to the conclusion when the scripture says very clearly, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons. No, that's not for your knowledge. That's the Father's knowledge. He's sovereign. He'll do it. But here's what you should be knowing and doing. You should be my witnesses to the ends of the earth speculation about restoration is a circumnavigation of proclamation. And that's a lot of stuff to remember. Let's say it again. Speculation about restoration, the restoring of the kingdom, is a circumnavigation. It's going around and away from the point. And the point is, God calls us to proclaim. Proclaim his word. John did that, and at the end of his life in Revelation chapter 1, you look at it, you don't have to turn there now, but John, it says, bore witness to the Word and the testimony of Jesus Christ. He took the Word God gave him, he proclaimed it all his life, he stood true to the testimony of what Jesus asked him to do. And later in that chapter, he records about seeing the Lord. Here's what he saw. I said this at the funeral yesterday. I wouldn't want to see this person unless I knew I was on his side and a believer because his hair is like white wool. His eyes are like a flame of fire. He has feet like bronze. He has a voice like the sound of many waters. Have you been to Niagara Falls? You can't speak very well unless you're shouting. And Jesus' voice is much louder And out of his mouth, the scripture says, goes a sharp two-edged sword. It is wielded and it cuts every way it goes. And his face is like the sun. And then John says what Jesus declares to him. Do you remember what it was? I am the first and the last. My theme tonight is first in ten. You were thinking it was something else. Forty to go. But Jesus declares to us, he is first. He told us to seek him first. He is coming. He's the numero uno of all creation. And he says, I am first. And there is a 1040 window where millions and billions of people have not yet heard of me. Go That's what he wants us to do. Go. I am the first. I am the one in the 1040 window to be proclaimed. Go. 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 Perhaps just seconds ago, teams huddled on a field in Dallas, and they all had a cheer, and they said, go. And they're going for a corruptible crown, a trophy that won't mean anything tomorrow, except for a few who get a hold of it. But we're seeking a crown and a, a goal that presents God in 2011. Two weeks ago, I went to the Effort Library. I hadn't been there a long time. And just read a few periodicals. I like to catch up on National Geographic. Do you know why 2011 is significant? It's significant because, guess what? Our booklet's already outdated. It is. According to National Geographic 2011 the population of the world hits 7 billion people 7 I can't put the right fingers up <laughs> 7 billion people 7 billion people in 2011 4 billion look parents at the 1040 booklet look with them at those parallels between the 10th parallel north and the 40th, from all of North Africa, all across the Middle East, all the way into India, into China, parts of the Philippines, parts of Japan, all the stands of Central Asia, those people are in that window. And when you read that booklet, you'll realize how far short we are coming of reaching them. In that window... There are, and you'll find this in the booklet. You're all going to go home and study it tomorrow, aren't you? <laughs> in that booklet, there are 34 Muslim nations. Just for perspective on why we need to proclaim. There are seven Buddhist nations. And there are two Hindu nations. Let's get excited about our kids getting involved in that. I'll tell you why. Our kids are our future. In a moment, I'll talk about the present. But our kids are our future. This morning, I was not with you in worship. I was at our daughter church up in Ephrata. One of the elders, Jim, is here tonight. We participated together in ordaining uh, elders and deacons in that church. That's the church we used to be at. One of those elders that was ordained was my middle child, Joshua. Now, I see Joshua, and I see him like some of you youngsters back there that are only six or seven or eight years old. And then I see him as a young man. And then I see him as a a brand-new married father. And then I see him with his first child. And then I see him now, as he was last year, with his third child. And now he's 35 years old and starting to get gray and gaining weight and catching up to his daddy. But most of all, I'm so thankful of what God has done in his life. It wasn't ever anything Becky and I did. We did a lot of things with them. But we prayed and said, Lord, take our children and use them. And you who are parents, you should be doing that every day. Don't just get discouraged if it's only step two. You know, they're just losing their teeth and the main ones are coming in. They're in school and they flunked the a course. Okay, everybody flunks a course once in a while. Just keep at it and praying with them and going up at bedtime, even when they're mad at you, and kneeling together with them and praying and admitting when you're wrong. He was ordained into the ministry in the PCA denomination. And Pastor Nicholas pointed out that when Jesus was ordained, he was first of all baptized to identify with his children. And our pastors take your children and baptize them. But our Savior was close to us. And he never sinned, but yet he went through baptism to be identified with we who are filthy. And it says in the Gospels, when you read that context, he prayed. Now, Jesus didn't need to pray, I suppose somebody could say. After all, he was God, but he did. He prayed. And that's what our involvement is. When we proclaim, we had better be praying. And, and you know, remember the testimony we were, Pastor Nicholas, pointed out this morning that when Jesus was ordained to public ministry, they didn't call 25 elders from Westminster Presbyterian Church or any other Presbyterian Church. The one, who, what, what elder here could ordain our Savior? Which one of us is qualified? It says in Revelation, who's qualified to open the seals? Only God. And guess who ordained him? The Holy Spirit ordained him, was poured out upon him and declared from heaven the Father's pleasure and love of him. The Father, in essence, was saying, Jesus, I love you. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it, of the compassion of the Lord. I only mention ordaining because, really, when you're teaching your children, I'm teaching my children, We're preparing them to be future servants. And I hope some of them will be missionaries. Our present missionaries, right now, in the 1040 window, that are proclaiming either they're there, or they occasionally go into the 1040 window, or sometimes their spouse goes in, or sometimes it's an organization in the 1040 window, anywhere from North Africa all the way over to China. And I dare not, because this tape, if it ever gets there, I don't want to jeopardize our missionaries. But I'll read their first names. These are people that you support. When you look at that financial plan that we had at the congregational meeting a couple weeks ago, I hope you're not just saying, well, thank you that we can give this money to the missionaries. I hope you're praying for each one. These are the ones we pray for. Anise and Farida. These are husbands and wives. Stu and Beth. Rick and Claire, Mark, and Teresa, David, and Rachel, Bruce, and Susan, the Bogpore home, Ron, and Francine, Hugh, and Martine, Tim, and Barb, Tracy, and Joy, Chuck, and Barb, David, and Julia, John, and Sandy, Bruce, and Pat. Matt and Jen, Stephen and Charity, I count 32 missionaries that you and I are praying for and we are supporting with our intensity. Praise the Lord. And by the way, two more, Ellen and Tia, who are going out either this summer or Projected to go to a foreign country to be a representative for gospel and teach. Praise the Lord. You say amen to that? It is a joy to see that. I so appreciated last Sunday night's message by our brother, Walt Mueller. What an impact he's making. And yet there's so much of a need for his ministry all across our country. But you know something. There are no CPYUs. Anywhere in the 1040 window, not in Algeria, not in Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Spain, Middle East countries like Jordan, India, or Bangladesh, or China, or Mongolia, or the Indonesians, or Taiwan, or Japan. There are no CPYUs there. Wouldn't it be great if they had one? It's hard enough just to get a missionary there. And that is why we say, pray, pray, pray. God has a wish list, don't you know? God's wish list says, God wishes that all would come to repentance. That's the latest ESV translation. I'm not going to get into all the theology and the sovereignty of that and the calling and effectual call. That's true. But God still wishes that all men might come to repentance. And our part is not to set the times or the dates or the seasons or even second-guess God. Our job is to be a witness to Him in the 1040 window. Proclamation. Let's pray in proclamation. But let's also pray for provision. We should pray for our missionaries to continue their ministry. Their perseverance is necessary. It's difficult to be in missions. It's tough to be a missionary. Just a few weeks ago, we went to see our son. And you know, he's the only a white student in his elementary school. Everyone else is an Asian. Can you imagine that? I'm not saying that in a prejudicial way, but he just happens to be the only you know, light-skinned person in that class. That takes a toll. We've got to pray for our kids. I heard of one of our students who's just a youngster. I won't say any names, but maybe here tonight. that just feels a burden to go into missions. Amen. That's great. It's tough to get there. You've got to work hard now and work hard all your life to get to the field. We were with our daughter and her husband in Spain. They're learning a language. We walked around with them. I felt like, you know... A stick in the mud because I couldn't speak a lick of Spanish. (laughs) But they were learning. They're doing well. They're getting good success in learning. And I felt great to be with them. But I felt so out of it because I couldn't speak Spanish. And any of you who have been to the field know how that feels. You know, we've got a wonderful church here, don't we? Beautiful piano and organ and instrumentalists and musicians. Wonderful cushioned seats. It's great to come every week and know we're going to get fed by our pastors. How blessed it is. You know, that that isn't on the field. Not a missionary has that regularity of blessing poured into their life. They've got to work from the Word of God in their heart. That's why it's so tough. That's why they feel so refreshed. So many missionaries, when they come to our mission conference Next month, looking through the 1040 window, they come and they feel we're, we're finally home because we're embracing them with our love. We're feeding them well. We're encouraging them. It's tiring for them to go from church to church to church, but they're blessed by being here. This is a blessing we have, but they don't have that on the field. It's tough. We have to pray for their spiritual provision. You know, in Acts chapter 12, the believers were meeting long night. Maybe there's only a handful like there are at our prayer meeting on Wednesday night here at Westminster. But the believers were praying because Peter was in prison. You remember, the angel of God comes to Peter, wakes him up, shackles fall off, the guards are asleep. He walks out, knocks on the door of John Mark's mother's house. Knocks on the door, the lady comes to the door, and we're praying. He says, I'm here. And she's knocked over because Peter is there. Their prayers have been answered for their release. But she goes back and says, guess what? Guess what? Peter's here. You're crazy, lady. That's what they said. "You're, You're out of your mind. I think sometimes we would be faked out completely if the very things we pray for, the very next moment, God would grant them. Now, I know time... Is a blessing in prayer. It takes many long efforts. But let's get excited about praying for our, our missionaries. God released him. We've got to pray for their encouragement. When my son and law and my daughter last year, Uh, received their support. They lived right over near Calvary Homes, and they spent about a year raising support. Some people spent less. Some people spent two or three years. We were so thankful that Westminster uh, took them on for support. But my son-in-law's home church, the church where he came to know the Lord, where he grew up, where he got involved with the youth group, I had to say to him, Stephen, we love you, but we just don't have the financial capability of taking you on at this time. Now, I don't feel bad for him, and I don't think he felt bad, but I think deep in my heart, is it possible for a church that has children grow up in their own ministry, is it possible to say, no, we can't support you? I'm wondering if some practical things like cutting out cable TV. Guess what? Pastor Irvin has rabbit ears. <laughs> I'm not going to pay 500 or more a year for TV they don't have time to watch very much. Now, I'm not, I don't want to be legalistic about this, okay? <laughs> but that, for me, you know, $500 is something I can use for better service. God bless pets. We had one. I know just how our brother feels. My son Josh had to take our last dog up to Boot Hill after he got relieved of his life. And he buried him. It was a crying time. But since that time, we have no more pets. It's a big expense to pay for a pet. Just go down the dog food aisle at any one of the supermarkets Have you seen how far it begins at the one end and goes to the other end? (laughs) That's a lot of food. That's a lot of money. Then you've got to pay for the vets. I'm not being legalistic, but just use common sense. Borrow your neighbor's pet once a day or once a year or once a week. (laughs) You can get your dog fixed there. (laughs) I I don't want to be nasty tonight because I know we're all going back to parties possibly. But, you know, you could cut out sodas or drink more tea, you know. Don't spend so much money. Don't go buy a Starbucks coffee for six bucks when you can buy a bag of coffee and make your own. What can you do with that money? Or how about the chips? There's another full aisle. Chips and pretzels at the supermarket. You just start at one end, and buy the guy, and you get the other, end. you've gained ten pounds just looking at it. <laughs> I hope you see I'm being lighthearted about this. But you can use your money wisely. You know, some people are blessed with lots of money. Maybe you need a second home. But, you know, if you have the money for a second home, sell it. Use it for the Lord's work and take some of that money and, you know, spend a week in a motel or go to a grand cruise or something like that. It goes the same way with cars. You don't have to get the best car with the most and the best soup up. You can look prayerfully to the Lord and say, Lord, what can I use? What can I get by on? These are ways that we can pray for the Lord's provision. Then we have to pray for the Lord's protection on our missionaries. Pray that they proclaim. Pray that they be provided for. And your praying is part of that provision, by the way. I remind you, keep on praying. Christ spent much of his ministry in prayer. And even as we say prayer, I have to say, did I pray this week? I have two kids in missionary service, but I tell you, I don't pray enough for them. And I know you don't either. This isn't meant to be an encouragement and a charge to fill our lives full. So when our missionaries come in next month, we're going to say, I've been praying for you and you and you. Amen? Very important. And finally, let's pray for our missionaries' protection. A couple from this church went out and was taken on support last year, Steve and Julie. I won't say their last name. You all know them. If you know them, put your hands up. They grew up. I think Steve grew up in this church, right? They just sent their most recent email. I will share some prayer requests. But the one before that, their last prayer letter, he's out jogging one morning, jogging in the streets of a place in a South Asian country, And he jogs, and and coming toward him, I think they were running two or five or six of the very people who, if they knew what he was doing, might even kill him. But there he was, jogging. That's why we're praying. We're praying for their protection. Stephen wrote, just very frankly, (laughs) pray for me. I have an irritability tendency. Anybody have that? (laughs) Uh, pray, it's hot here. There's unrelenting pressures of cultural shock. There's loneliness. There's spiritual warfare, and it's taking a toll on me. He's been there several months. You see what it's like to be a missionary? And his wife, Julie, writes, pray for me. I have a depression tendency. Uh, um, there's loneliness. There's loneliness. And she says, I pray that we might drink deep of the Father's love and overflow to each other and our children. Don't you see that if you can't be loving to your spouse and your children, how can you be a good witness for Jesus Christ who said, be my witnesses? Because you see, it starts at home. And that's why we pray for our missionary kids. They, have a, they also continue writing, there's a 7 billion adjustment here. They're trying to orient themselves to the language and the learning. And catch this statistic that they wrote. The country that they're in is a country with more non-Christians, a country with more non-Christians than there are of people in the Western Hemisphere totally. The Western Hemisphere is all the way from Alaska and Canada down through United States, down through Central America, the Caribbean islands, down through South America, all the way to the Tierra del Fuego, the very tip of South America. More people in that one country, and they're all non-Christians. Talk about a, a chunk of work ahead. You see the insistence and necessity of praying for our missionaries. But it's also true, right, locally. We thank the Lord that God's opened the door for us to be right up here at Nitrauer, right? Right up here. We've got a good news club up there. We've got one at Washington Avenue School down in the city. What an opportunity for us to have good news clubs. Good news means they hear about Jesus and they use us as a witness for Christ. One of our brothers, Mark, just spent a trip to that same South Asian country. He teaches uh, biblical counseling training. His wife is Teresa. You know who I'm talking about. And he, in, in this last month, in January, was in Dallas. These are our missionaries invading the 1040 window. And then there's Bruce and Pat, who were just a few months ago, well, probably about six months ago now, Kicked out of a country in North Africa. After many years of effective ministry there. And now they're in a Southern European country. And uh, I can still hear him saying in his one of his emails, when he was in the airport ready to leave, he took his shoes off and shook them. Just like Jesus said to do. Now there wasn't much dust there, but I can understand his feelings. But that wasn't it, because they still have a heart for those people. And they're, uh, they put a website up, and there are 30,000 exposures on YouTube to the gospel. And he says, boy, this is the 21st century Roman road. Amen. <laughs> and Bruce and his daughter are going to visit Morocco in this month. And they're going to be sharing the gospel. They're going to be seeing friends, friends they missed since they've been kicked out. And uh, what a blessing. Websites and bookmarkers and handouts, all these things. Our brother Warner did that in southern France, handing out tracts and gospels to those going back and forth to those North African countries. Amen. That's the distribution of the gospel. And then right now we have a family to turn the newspaper page. You turn your TV on. You know what's happening in that North East African country. We have a missionary there right now. Praying for them, praying for their protection, praying for their their spread of the word. And it's so good to get news from the Becks. We knew Brother Steve up, up in Ephrata, and one of the girls we had in youth group, Karen, she's over there helping them. You read Stephen's emails and his prayer letters, and you know what he says? He says, man, pray for us. We're establishing the church for all nations. I love that title. If I'm an American and I go to a church that says, this is the church for the French, I feel out of place. (laughs) But if I go to a church that says, this is the church for all nations, that's great because you can come to this church and worship and you know everybody there is from some nation and wonderful. What a presentation of the gospel. People can hear it and go for it. It's very exciting. There's a great church in London that says the church for all souls, all souls church. Terrific. Finally, and I'm almost done, there's just another young man who raised in this church, Dave. His dad's been an elder on the Great Commission Committee. Uh, Dave and Lisa. Well, I can say their last name because they're in the States. Dave and Lisa Henry. And he's now working with, uh, I believe, Boys Brigade, Christian Service Brigade, And uh, he's involved in a church just up the uh, Delaware River in Easton. That's where the headquarters of Crayons, isn't it? And they're there with the Bridge Community Church right there in Easton. What a joy to have another one of our young men that we're going to be praying for and seeing their impact and their ministry. Well, I don't want to make you feel bad. We're about done. But any of you who are Star Wars fans... You remember that wonderful episode where Han Solo's got to get out fast with his Millennium Falcon, his spaceship? And he jumps in it, the enemy's shooting at him, and he jumps in it, and he turns the switch, and it goes... And it died. Couldn't get it kicked on. Sometimes our lives can be like that. Listen, brothers and sisters, boys and girls... Let's refresh it with prayer. Prayer for proclamation. Prayer for provision. Prayer for protection. Prayer to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his field. Let's pray. Father, we need to be better, effective servants. We've weakly served you. Give us vision. Break our hearts. May we cry with those who cried. May we cry with you as you looked over Jerusalem. May we see the lost, they in all their pride, and we in all our scaredness, afraid to tell of Jesus. Help us, Lord. We need your help in this. We pray you would break our lives that we be effective proclaimers of the gospel for Jesus' sake. Amen.